Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Jeff Ludington. I'm the lead pastor at Generations Church, and I am flying solo today. I gave my co-host the day off, and I wanted to tackle this episode by myself. Now, I'm in a series, we are in a series uh, called Questions from the Classroom. A year ago or so, just over a year ago, I started teaching high school Bible to, to seniors um, their final year of high school. And I've, I've got a freshman class this year that, that I'm going to pick up a second semester. And my co-host, Rob Samuelson, who's not here today, he's been teaching Bible for 13 of the last 14 years at Valley Christian. And so we've picked up lots of questions along the way. And what I found last year as I took all these questions from these seniors during, these, uh, during the year, uh, their questions don't differ a whole lot from adults. And adults have the same questions. And so it became a really, good, uh, a really good series to podcast through some of these questions. Now, this one, and the reason I'm flying solo today, this one is close to my heart, and it's a challenging subject. And the question asked was, is it a sin to be suicidal? Or is it merely a mental disorder? Now, as we've said in other episodes, uh, we don't leave the name of the student with the question. We copied and pasted all the questions. We tried to organize them. We choose them, and then we work through them. Um, So I don't know who asked this question, uh, but by the language asked, we typically try and infer some things. Is it a sin to be suicidal? And, uh, And so it didn't say commit suicide. Um, But it asks if it's a mental disorder. So if someone is wrestling with suicidal ideations or tendencies or thoughts, is it sin? That's a question. Um, Now, I did a blog series about nine years ago uh, when I lost one of my closest friends to suicide. And I asked different questions like, can a person love Jesus and still commit suicide? Is suicide an unpardonable sin? And, you know, what is the Protestant or Christian view of suicide. And so I want to tackle some of these things today, but I want to tell you about my friend. So Brian, uh, he committed suicide. um, In in two or three weeks, it'll be the nine-year anniversary of when he did that. And he was a committed part of a church I used to pastor. And he belonged to a small group. He served in the church. He actually helped lead an area of hospitality. He was always there on Sundays, and people loved him. He was uh, a life-of-the-party kind of guy. And one day, uh, the things that were inside of him got the best of him. Now, I'd known him since we, were little ki- since we were young kids, and he struggled with depression his whole life. I remember we would, uh, we'd have, you know, we'd sleep over when we were young, and, and uh, later when we were older and lived together, um, he would wake up screaming in the middle of the night. He had night terrors, and he really wrestled with a lot of things. Well, it resulted in, or it ended in, uh, written notes of apology, and an empty bottle of pills, and uh, him found dead in a bathtub. Now, my role was complex when this happened. Um, not only had I lost uh, what I, who I call my best friend. Uh, really, there was four of us that grew up together. Two died about a year apart from each other. One I call my brother, and one I call my best friend. This was my best friend. And um, I also had him as a leader in a church, so I was his pastor, and I pastored the church that he was a part of. Um, I was friends. We'd grown up together. My wife went to high school with him. I was uh, like the closest thing to family, to his kids. I was there when they were born. I mean, it was, it was a deep tie. And so 
I found myself pastoring people through the loss of someone they cared about, whether it be their father or their son or the person they went to church with or, you know, we're in a small group with from the church. Um, but I also found myself mourning the loss of, of my, my closest friend. And so it was a, a challenging place to be. And so I did. I, I took to scripture. I, I went to answer questions and I blogged through a lot of this. I'll leave a, a link to the blog series in the show notes. But here's what I found. I, I looked at some major characters of the Bible. When I say characters, I don't mean fiction. Uh, people that wrote scripture that shared their thoughts. And one of the ones that really jumped out to me was David. Now, David would go on to be the most famous ruler in all of Israel, King David. And here's a few things that we learn about this famous ruler of Israel. He was a great kid who loved God. That's in 1 Samuel 17. He married the love of his life, 1 Samuel 11, right? He was well-loved by others, 1 Samuel 20. He loved to dance and sing and worship God, 2 Samuel chapter 6. And uh, all those words right there could have uh, described Brian, my friend. Um, but here's some other things that we learn about David. It says that he had been a murderer and an adulterer in his past, 1 Samuel 11. He was plagued by fear frequently, Psalm chapter 3. He felt like God didn't always answer him, Psalm 4. He felt like he was angry at God and God was angry at him, Psalm 6. And so there was this contrast in between his personality sometimes outside and the way he was feeling inside, and that is common with people. Uh, that is common with people that struggle with this level of depression or struggle. Uh, he was so plagued, David was so plagued by his emotions that he often wrote and contemplated death. Now, I'm going to read you a, a, about seven verses from Psalm 6. David writes, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Now listen. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. David had this level of desperation. And what's different about David is he was honest about it. He wrote it down. Now, we have to ask a question like, why does God take that kind of transparency or honesty or grief or depression or struggle? Why did God take David's writings and make them a part of canonized scripture? In other words, why did God choose that to be in the Bible, right? Well, I think it's because it shows how someone can both be energetic and happy and outgoing and, and maybe the life of the party, but also how they can struggle so deeply inside. And, and it gives us a way to wrestle with and reconcile hard feelings, things that we feel and experience that are hard, right? There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, right? That laments songs of laments, psalms of laments in the book of Psalms, right? We don't do very well at that today in the American church, right? We don't really do depression very well. And so we bottle up, we keep it inside. 
But David shared it. David wrote about it. David prayed to God about it. And that was David's release. And that was his way of bringing his pain to God. Even when some of the Psalms where he is at his deepest and darkest moments, he literally blames God or, or opens it up for God to care for him and write like, I, like I'm not getting the answer I need from you, God. And then the Psalms don't have like a resolve to them all the time where, hey, I write this and then God answered me and things got better. Sometimes it's just pain. Another man in the Bible whose name is Job, he writes this. He says, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or a sea monster that you set a guard over me? When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones. Listen to this. Job says, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are a breath. That's Job chapter 7. Job was known to be an amazing man of faith and a, and a follower of God. But like David, he struggled with the turmoil in his life. The tumult of pain in his head was too much for him at times. He used words like anguish and bitterness that he cannot even escape in his sleep. He says, I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones. I loathe my life. He is so far deep into the black, into the ugly, into the pain that he just says, listen, I would choose a violent death over living another day. But again, Job takes this pain to God. He writes it down. He prays it out loud to God. Others like Moses, he struggled with depression and anger. Sons of Korah, writers of the Psalms, often struggles with times of where death seemed like a better answer than life. Just as Job said, I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones. Even Jesus prayed in his humility, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Jesus, in his night before he is betrayed, prays and says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. I'm contemplating death. As a pastor, there's a balance I found in needing to answer these questions. On one side, a question was, is suicide unforgivable, unpardonable? And the reason for that question is because the Roman Catholic Church says that it is. And their belief system, they believe that you have to confess and repent of sin in order for God to forgive you. They have sacraments and things that they walk through in order to be forgiven. But in the Protestant faith, Jesus satisfied the penalty for sin on the cross, and it, it's sin past, present, and future. And so I sit here today, a human being who is sinful, and I will sin tomorrow, and I sinned yesterday, and you know, sin is, is going to be a part of my reality. Not, and I'm not accepting that. I'm not suggesting that's okay. I'm not saying sin is okay. I'm saying it's a reality, right? That I live in such a way that not everything I do, not every thought in my mind or attitude of my heart is godly. And so I sin. But Jesus has already died for today's sins and, and yesterday's sins. And he has forgiven what was done in the past and, and what I do today. And, and he will forgive the sins in my future or 
another way of saying that he's already forgiven the sins of my future. Now, there's a time and a place for me to confess my sin. And really, that's not about telling God, or that's not an act that causes forgiveness. In fact, the promise of forgiveness is deeply tied to baptism. That in that moment, in that sacrament, in that means of grace, that our sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit is given to us. And so there's a balance in striking a theological clarity that all sin is covered at the cross. But then on the other side, the part that you have to balance with that is I don't want to say, hey, it's okay, it's forgivable. Because I'd never want to be found encouraging someone that suicide is the option. And so the biblical story is this. Take your pain to God. Cry out to God. Allow God to hear your pain. People say, well, I just want to, I want to yell at God. I want to tell God. And I think that's what David and Job are doing. And I think that's what the sons of Korah did. And, and Jesus gets near that place. He does so without sin, for sure. But he is very clear in his struggle. So the question we're left with is, you know, what makes one person who deals with great depression and chooses to live and another who chooses to take their own life? And it can't be a heaven or hell question or we're compromising our gospel and the cross. But I think what happens, and, and I had a, a unique thing happen when Brian took his own life. I also lost a, um, an admin assistant uh, who was young. She died of a very aggressive cancer in her early 40s. And uh, she died, and I did her memorial service on a Friday night. And on Saturday, in the early day, afternoonish, I did Brian's memorial service, and he had killed himself. And I remember the Friday night one, and it was very uh, upbeat, if you would. Uh, forgive me for that. But it was very lighthearted because uh, her name was Kathleen. She fought a good fight against cancer and she remained faithful to God and God comforted her through her struggles and then she lost her struggle to cancer. And it was more celebratory and of course there were tears and weeping. She left two kids behind and, and they grieved and, and, and we grieved. When I got to do the funeral the next day, the memorial service for Brian the next day, I remember walking up onto the stage to start and the heaviness was palatable in the room. It was thick with just this fog over the, the very issue that he had taken his own life. And so I said, listen, last night I did the memorial service for my admin assistant and it was, it was a, there was a sense of joy that Kathleen is out of pain. She lost her fight to cancer, but she is now healthy. She is now in the arms of her Savior. I said the same thing needs to be said about Brian. He lost a long 40-ish year battle with a cancer inside of himself called pain and depression and struggle. And today, he's in the arms of Jesus. And the tone in the room changed, and we were still saying goodbye to someone we love, just like it was true with, with Kathleen the night before. But it turned into a place where, hey, we can understand pain and depression as a cancer. We can understand it as a struggle. And we could recognize that God got Brian through as many years as Brian let God get him through. And then Brian took matters into his own hands. 
There's a struggle there. My prayer is that we would learn from David, from Job, from the sons of Korah, from even Jesus himself in this moment, and that we would never lose hope. There's a, a, a phrase that says, listen, people can go without food for you know, X amount of days and water for, I think it's three days, and, but we can't go a day without hope. And it's a little cliche, but it's true. When we lose hope, we stop trying. John Calvin said, we should ask God to increase our hope when it's small, awaken it when it's dormant, confirm it when it is wavering, strengthen it when it's weak, and raise it up when it is overthrown. We should take our hope or our need for hope to God. So is suicide a sin? Taking a life, taking any life, is a sin. Is it forgivable? I believe it is. Is to be suicidal a sin? Well, that question really asks something different. Is it a sin to wrestle with not wanting to live? And I think that answer is no. The sin is in the suicide, not the thoughts. Is it a mental disorder? It can be. Absolutely it can be. It can be chemical. It can be physical. It can be spiritual. Or it can be very, it can be depression. It can be pain. It can be the past. All those things, though, can be taken to God. All those things can be given to God. All those things are healable, and God is able to sustain us. C.S. Lewis says this, Crying is all right in its own way while it lasts, but you have to stop sooner than later, and you have to still have to decide what to do. You can cry. You can cry out to God. You can weep. You can be in pain. But there comes a point when you have to decide what you're going to do. The difference between David, Job, Jesus even, and Brian was they kept choosing to live and God sustained them. At one point, Brian lost hope and he chose to die. I believe I'll see, G- I, I believe I'll see Brian in heaven with Jesus. I believe I'll see him there one day. But what happened is he left a family, his two kids, his mom, me, he left them behind. And he left them the pain that he carried all his life from the death of his father. And so if you're listening, uh, here's what I would say. I want you to know you're loved. Uh, You're loved by us, by generations. Even more so, you're loved by God. And there's a God who wants to meet you in that. If you want to reach out, you can always email us at questions at generations.email. Or when this gets posted on social media, you can comment, reach out. Uh, What I would say is this, forgivable or not, that's not the question. It's how do we keep hope? How do we take our pain to God? And how do we not carry this burden alone? And so I just want you to know that at least there is one church, and I know there's many, but there's a church here if this is you. We'll post a suicide hotline and a phone number for the church deacons. And we just want to say this. If this is you, if you've ever asked this question, if you're asking this question today, we want to be where you, where you find an answer, where you find strength and get hope. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you listening to our podcast. I ask that you would subscribe it, share it. If you know somebody struggling in this area, share this with them. You can always contact, contact us again through questions at generations.email. Just know this. You're loved mostly by God, but also by many Christians who are here 
and want to be with you if this is you. God bless you and thank you for listening. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.